Welcome back to Season 7 of Sunday Night Teacher Talk. This show is a live Q&A show that happens every Sunday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for one purpose, to help you be the teacher that you're called to be, the teacher that you always dreamed of being. We recognize that Sundays can be the most stressful day of the week in the education world, so we gather as a community to prepare together for the upcoming week. Enjoy the show. <laughs> See, I told you, it starts right away. She was being sassy a moment ago. Y'all missed it. Welcome back to Sunday Night Teacher Talk. Um, I'm your host, CJ Reynolds. So I really wish I had a radio voice. I'm, what's up, y'all? Welcome back to Sunday Night Teacher Talk. I'm your host, CJ Reynolds. So uh, real quick, we I don't know if you noticed. We, we weren't here. I just ghosted everybody last week. And here's the thing. Um, there's nothing ever like horrendous that happens when that it's only happened a couple of times. We've canceled it a handful of times, but there's only like uh, a few times that like um, th I just don't say anything. Uh, and that's because how did you put it? Life gets life in. And <laughs> it was life and heavy for her it was. last Sunday. It was. And it was like. Should we just smile and go on or should we take care of business that we need to take care of? And so we took care of business that we need to take care of. And I think that that is a good lesson for folks, right? Sometimes, uh, especially on your weekends that you thought you were going to plan, you thought you were going to grade, you thought you were going to spend time with your kids and it's a beautiful fall weekend and why not go out and get some pumpkins? And then something happens outside of that and you then are left at this time on a Sunday thinking like, I gotta, I gotta go in tomorrow and I'm not ready and I don't know what to do and I'm losing my mind. And I would say that, I mean, there's a lot of, look, the tough part with question with things like this is that you have to know you. What do you need to go in tomorrow? Having an off day, but taking the rest that you need on the weekend is good. Calling out is okay. And if they give your class to your buddies at school, that's the school. That's not you. But taking a day to take care of your family, to take care of your kids, take care of yourself is like, that's important stuff, man. So don't, don't not do it, right? Your students, this is not a martyrdom. Don't make your students more important than you. You have to be number one. And when you're number one, then you can give more. You can't give what you don't have. And so that's where we're starting off this week. Um, if you have a question, please put it in the uh, in the question section. And I would love to answer anything that you have going on. It could be about school. It could be about life. Be, I don't really care what it's about. It, you know, it could be about anything. But uh, I saw this. Um, I'm, I'm going to repost it on, on stories. The... I saw a post of a little kid trying to learn how to ride a bike and this mom's recording him from like, it looked like a bedroom window or something. And all these little kids from the neighborhood are holding him up and trying to get him to, to ride his bike. And she was like, just loving on that, loving on the fact that like, look at all these kids trying to help her, her baby boy learn to ride a bike. And I just thought that is what I wish teachers did more of. And what I hope this is doing for teachers. So with that, um, what do you got, wife? Let's make the most of, the, of our time here. All right. Tracy's up first. Um, she's asking, how do educators tackle imposter syndrome, even as an experienced educator? It's a real thing with me and several of my professional colleagues. So 
Trace, I'm going to tell you, I think this is a real thing for a lot of people. Um, hey, where's my there, little thing? Just uh, hit add stage. There oh. you go. Oh. And then it might do both of us, but just hit that thing. There you go. There you go. So, um, look, that looks nice and clear. Now everyone can see this pimple I'm developing on my face because we're keeping it real in here. Uh, it's nothing like being 46 and getting a pimple if you make you feel like a teenager. So the imposter syndrome, um, I think, is interesting, Trace, because I don't think it's unique to anyone. I think that when I think about stuff like uh, I heard Henry Rollins tell a story one time that he was doing Rollins band was on tour with. Uh, Black Sabbath had gotten back together, right? One of the, you know, not my jam, but uh, I don't know why I had to add that in there, but like arguably one of the most influential rock bands of all time. They are on tour. Rollins Ben comes back stage one night and Ozzy Osbourne calls over Henry Rollins and says, um, hey, like, was there, like, how's the crowd? Like, 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 was it full? And he was like, what are you talking about? Like, and he said, I just like, I just like, I'm never sure if anyone's going to be out there. And he's like, you're Ozzy Osbourne. Like, like, what are you talking about? I've heard the same story about the Rolling Stones. I've heard the same story about George Carlin. It is this idea that one of the things that, that that does for me, Tracy, is that it reminds me that this isn't just a me thing, right? And it is, it's a me thing. Like I go through this as well, but it is an all of us thing. And to me, how do you deal with imposter syndrome? Um, I show up and I do work for kids, right? Like there's like, when I talk about the oh, education's only ever about students, I might not be better than everybody else in the classroom. Maybe there's somebody you could have hired that was a better teacher than me, that was nicer than me, that was harder working than me, that was kinder than me, that was more efficient than me, maybe, but they're not here, right? So tomorrow when I go into school, that person's not here. You can wish and hope that they would have even hired somebody better, but they didn't. They hired you. So what are you going to do when you walk into school tomorrow? What are you going to do when a student asks for help? What are you going to do when you see someone crying in the hallway or you see a coworker that needs help or just needs a hug or something like that? Like it is, it's, it didn't work out that way. You are the one. So what are you going to do with the platform that you have? And that's, it's, it, what it does is it immediately makes this actionable. It gives me something to do. Um, and I, I would argue that when you have like a good group of friends that you can even share that with, it's taking the practice of, of loving on each other and seeing what each other's like giftedness is and reminding, like being a mirror for other people. Because sometimes the mirror we look into, mirror we see ourselves in just shows us the flaws. It shows you the pimple or on the other side pimple you got on your face or that your eyes are, I don't know, not dead on the camera or like you, you need a haircut or you feel like un, you don't feel good about your own body. But when other people see us, sometimes it's really important to just let that in, let in the giftedness that other people see that you have. And, and so instead of waiting for that for others, right, you might be able, you might have good enough friends that you can ask for that. It can be something that you are showing up to school and giving to someone else. Hey, just so you know, like before the day even gets started, I just want to remind you that I think you're awesome. And I love that you do this. or I love how you do this. Write them maybe a note and put it in their mailbox so they find it later. Um, I think that that's what we do. Whenever we are feeling like not enough, 
I think turning it around and loving on someone else and remembering that everyone's kind of going through this stuff. What you got, bud? All right. Our next question comes from Isadora Vlogs asking, could you give some tips for a new sub? I will start being one in a couple of weeks and my country doesn't have any initial training and I'm nervous. Isn't it fascinating that there is not training for, for substitutes? Like they just like let people go in. Like they know what they're doing. It's kind of like parenting. Yeah. There's no required parenting classes. You just yeah. have a baby and they send you home. They with just send human. you home with a kid. <laughs> oh, is that car seat and right? Then you must know what you're doing. Go ahead, buddy. <laughs> so, and I don't mean that as a slight at all. Um, I, I think that I just think it's, it's unfortunate. Uh, so I had, man, I should have clipped this and put it out there. I think I have a video on this. If you go to our channel and go to the top, where there's like a uh, like a little like you have to do this on a on a computer you can't do it it doesn't allow you to do it on the phone. Um, there's a little magnifying glass. There's a search thing. Put in substituting or substitute or something like that. There might be something that pops up. I would say this: that one, it's very awkward in the beginning because you don't know the school, you don't know the classroom, you don't know the students. The better you are as a sub, meaning if you show up. If you implement what is asked for and someone doesn't set a fire in your classroom, you will get asked back again and again and again, right? It is it is something that like we knew always in schools that I was in that who the good subs were and you wanted the good subs because then your room didn't get destroyed. But how do people get asked back was just by like showing up and really being there. Now, if you are really wanting to be there, then that's going to show Right. So regardless of whether or not you are good at it right away, it doesn't matter. It shows that you have a growth mindset, that you're willing to do the work, that you care about the kids and that this is something you're doing. You're not just like coming in to get your, you know, paycheck every day and you're going to fall asleep in the back of class, which is I have seen happen many, many times. Um, so just know that by virtue of coming back, then you're going to start building relationships. You're going to start knowing kids. You're going to start knowing needs. You're going to start knowing behaviors. And that's going to really help you. The other thing is, so that knowing that's a little bit long term, but it's but it's a really good place to kind of put your put your mind, so you don't put too much weight on yourself right now. The second thing is, like, if I'm walking into a school tomorrow, what do I want to know? One, everyone has to be seated at all times. You should not be walking around without permission, uh, because standing up next to someone is it just leads to, to issues, right? One person in the bathroom at a time. Don't care how long you go to the bathroom. Don't care how often you go to the bathroom. You can only just go one at a time. And then as soon as someone else comes back, of course, I would let you go to the bathroom. The other thing is letting them know that you're, you know, exactly what the assignment is. And then helping kids that need help moving around. Even if you don't know the answers, even if you don't know the math, even you don't know the science, it is sitting with the kids, moving amongst them and, and starting to help kids that need help. And then the other thing is, don't just stay in the room. Find ways to talk to kids, to get to know students, to find out what they're interested in. Because the more you come back, um, the more you know, and the more you know those students, the easier it's going to make the job. And it's going to make something that you look forward to, something that you enjoy coming to. Because, you know, oh, I'm in this class again today, and I know I have this sixth period class, and I love them. They're so freaking fun. It's That's what you're looking for as well. And then finding out should you need something, not saying there's a discipline problem, but letting the school know, should I need something? Who, who, like, what's my point of contact here? 
Is it a text message? Can I do a phone call? Do I have a phone in the room? Like what's the fastest way? And I really think that text messaging is the best. And then texting those people in the front and saying, hey, this is Isadora. Uh, I'm new and I'm the sub. Just want you to have my number. Uh, should you need anything from me? I think that that's a good place to kind of like start connecting with people and, and showing up in, as a willing participant in the day. Good luck. Have fun. All right. Um, it looks terrible. What does? Camera looks bad. I don't know why. I don't think it does. Okay. <laughs> oh, it actually looks good on yours. Looks yeah. bad on mine. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, all right. Br Stafford is up next, asking or saying, "Big fan over here. Read your book in two sittings last week." Wow. Thanks. Uh, question: How do you get your first period to wake up and be engaging? I can't seem to figure it out. So, um, first of all, thank you for the kind words and thank you for reading my book. Um, it's always funny when people say that they read the book in such. A, I, it's honor that they would even read it and that yeah. they read it so much that they got done quick. But I just think of how long it took to do. And it's, like, it's like an Easter egg hunt, right? You say spend all this time. It's like wrapping Christmas presents rather. Yes. Well, I don't wrap Christmas presents, you, you but if really. I did, it would be like that. So, um, BR, I think it is. Give him coffee. I, you know, <laughs> I, I would love to. I would love to have a coffee station. I knew a teacher once that had like a coffee tea station in the back of their room, hot Not chocolate for station. Though. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was just hot chocolate. Oh, though, yeah, or it was coffee. Like, it was like a really like rich school. Like they could do that. Nice. It was the nicest classroom I've ever been in in real life. Um, so, first period, I think it starts with maybe meeting them where they are. Right. So I'm not going to do I'm not going to start the day with super high energy. I'm going to get you there. So and so later classes and look, some of this, I'm going to be honest with you. If I look at like my students, the students I taught in West were would a lot of the students wouldn't would miss breakfast. But breakfast at school was garbage anyway. And it was like a muffin. Orange juice. And maybe that was it, right? So all, all you're getting from that is an, is an immense amount of sugar to start your day from with. So like 30 minutes from now, you're just crashing anyway. So kids would supplement that by stopping at the corner store with a couple bucks and they get what's cheap, right? They get like several bags of chips because they are inexpensive. They get soda because it's inexpensive. So all that does is like bring your energy up. So you're in the hallway and you're getting to school and you're wow. And then you are, you just crash halfway through first period. And it's like, wow, I need to, I need to plan around this. Cause I can't, I, I, I have no control over the breakfast and I can't do anything about your food intake. So that being said, I am meeting, I'm meet, talking to kids in the hallway. I'm meeting kids at the door. And I realize also that I think that teenagers should just sleep. Like they need a lot of sleep. And they're not going to bed early and whatever that's, I can't affect that. But like, so I'm not going to try and like make you wake up. No one that you've ever tried to wake up, wakes up. They just get annoyed that you're doing it. She's not looking at me. Um, I said, no one that you ever try to wake up, wakes up. They just get annoyed that you're trying to be. Oh yeah. yeah. So, um, <laughs> sorry. So the point that, that, so here's what you do with that. I think it's meeting kids at the door. It's meeting them with higher energy than they have, but not overwhelming, right? So you don't want to be like all like super razzle dazzle in the beginning of the day. It's then easing them into the work. Like what's something that you can do? Maybe your first period assignment is slightly different than the rest of this, the school year, right? 
And maybe it's not. Maybe you just want to be like a like a hard ass and have kids wake up. That's works too, I guess. But for me, it is all right, y'all. Listen, here's all I need you to do. I just need you to write five to eight sentences for this journal entry. I just need you to do, you know what? Let's just do these five problems, uh, math problems to start the class off with or something like that. And then I'm going to build and build and build and build to get that energy up. Maybe it's starting with something fun. Maybe it's starting with something funny. Maybe it's starting with um, like a quick game or trivia or a video or something that's going to get kids' attention um, because as they're slogging into class, it is trying to get, here's the thing, the majority on your side. I just had a conversation with a mentee today about this where there is, I think where teachers go wrong is they just, we hyper-focus on the stuff that people are not doing, on the kids that are not doing the work. So even if 75% of your class is on point and 25% isn't, I'm not saying give up on that, but I'm saying we hyper-focus on the 25% that's not doing anything when we should be looking at the kids that are doing stuff and th then thinking like, then here's my challenge to you. Look at your class, identify who's on point. Then look at the kids that are like almost there or could get there, right? So figuring out who do I need to move? What do I need to do to engage? Who do I need to touch base with? So what you're doing is incrementally bringing more people over to the we are doing camp instead of the we're doing nothing camp. Who can I bring over? Then once that not doing anything group is the minority in class, then it's something we can speak about with just those students. And it's something for us to see like, yo, 80% of the class is on point. Um, this is the same thing I do with grades, right? Like if someone's struggling and your grades are low in your class, it's like, how, what could I do that's going to help raise grades um, overall, or maybe with just these students right here? And so you start, you start proving it. You start in the numbers. It's irrefutable that kids are getting better. But it's I think looking at things like that, um, and or sometimes it's like acknowledging it. Look, I know y'all are tired, but this is the best class of the day. I'm gonna tell you right now. So it's all downhill after this because I know that you got Mr. Rufo for math after this, and we all know what that class is like. You can tell him I said that. Um, so like I need you to I need you to get get it all together and you can sleep in Rufo's class probably. And it, Rufo's my friend also. I do this on purpose. I do it to a lot of my friends in school, but it's like getting kids to kind of laugh that off or telling them like this is listen, I know y'all are tired, but choose your heart. Do you want to be successful or do you want to sleep? And right now you might think sleep, but future you is telling me that they want you to wake up right now and get ahead and get and get at what you're doing right now. So let's do it. And so that's part of it as well. So it's having that conversation, it's having some compassion, it's building your classroom around the behaviors of students so that you can meet them where they are and bring them up to where they need to be. But in short, that's what I would say. All right, ready for our next one? Nassim is up next. He's asking, did I want a copy of your book? Uh, so we did We did a, um, a challenge. I had a video out the other week that was called uh, Be a Failure as a as a Teacher. To, I thought it was a great idea. Uh, and the whole point, it's the, the thumbnail is like uh, dump me in the dumpster fire, which is, <laughs> looks like the Salem Witch Trials or something. But the point was, if you are not failing as a teacher, I'm looking at the wrong camera. If you're not failing as a teacher, then... I think you might not be, I think that you should be trying enough stuff 
and taking enough chances that you should be failing every once in a while. And that's a good thing, right? That it shows that you're trying to go somewhere that is difficult. And with that, I think, um, so I, I had teachers go to the Facebook group and they shared a story. So all of those teachers, I made a post in there, all of those teachers have been contacted and we gave away five or six books um, to people. And one of them was on purpose, but man, I could, I could have picked, but I just did them randomly to, to people. Uh, And so you were notified if you won. So Seem, if you didn't hear from us, buddy, sorry, man. Next time. (laughs) All right. uh, Liz is up next asking, I know you posted a video about this, but now that I need it, I can't find it. What are the questions you send home in an email when you are struggling with a student? Uh, So I ask parents, I let them know this is what I'm seeing in class, but in a way that is not accusatory. So here's it, right? Like different people are going to do different stuff. This is how I roll. I send a non-accusatory email home saying, these are some of the behaviors I'm seeing in in your student in class. I want you to know as this is me talking to the parent, I want you to know that your child's success is of the utmost concern to me. And I, I, I am contacting you because I want them to win this year on an unprecedented level. That being said, I have three questions for you that um, I'm wondering uh, if they, that they, because I have three questions for you that I think are going to help me. One, is there anything you'd like me to know about your child that is not going to show up in a 504, an IEP or a parent intake form, right? Just that right there is, is, is admitting without saying it, right? It's admitting that a parent is, knows their kid better than anyone. So is there anything going on in their life? And then the parent gets to sit with that, right? You're not asking invasive questions. You're not even saying what that is. I've gotten everything back from folks like from his grandfather passed away this summer. He's really having a hard time with it. Their dog passed away. Their brother uh, was incarcerated. Um, We just moved. Uh, Their best friend just moved. They, you know, they, whatever the situation is, right? This is a new school for them. You are finding out information that is going to, not give an excuse to student behavior, but perhaps give a reason for student behavior. Then the next two things I ask are, what was your child's favorite class ever, favorite class slash teacher ever and why? Uh, And there I'm looking for clues. What kind of class was this? What kind of teaching happened? What kind of lessons happened? Were they up out of their seats? Were they sitting down? Was it very clear and concise? Um, Did they do a lot of projects? Like what what were the elements of that class that I might be able to include some of in my class to create in a learning environment that's optimal for that student. The third thing I ask is what was your student's least favorite class and why? Do not ask for the teacher's name because I don't want to start that drama. Sometimes they tell you anyway, but I want to know what were the things that that class, like that teacher did that that student did not like or did not vibe well with them. So I can make sure to the best of my ability to steer clear of some of those things. So you might find out that a student doesn't like being called on out of nowhere in class. They don't like, so they just need like a heads up if you're going to call on them in a second. Uh, They don't like being yelled at. They don't like being um, put on, like put on blast in front of everyone. They don't like reading aloud in class. They don't want to like, so whatever that is, it doesn't mean you have to immediately adhere to every single thing because some of those things might be things that a student needs to do, right? They need to get better at speaking aloud in class, but you can know that you can prep them. You can have them give a one word answer back and help them build over time. But that all this information is just in, is 
informing you as to who this child is and how you can try to incrementally create a better learning environment for that student. Great question. Oh, this is Parents love. always this look one. bewildered when you ask them that stuff. Because, yo, for real, in the 16 years of parenting, not one teacher has ever, ever. asked us that. And I have kids that it would be really beneficial if someone asked me. I could give you a ton of information because yeah. my kids are not like the straight typical kids. Because that doesn't happen, I email parents often. I email teachers and say, hey, my name is CJ Reynolds. This is, uh, this is my child. Here's what I would like you to know about them with regards to this project this week. So if you're a parent, don't wait for the ask. Go ahead and give them the answer before they even ask for it. And I think yeah. that we've had a good... Like, yeah, we've already had to do that this school year with and Marley. With like, good was a circumstance. Results, she came home and told us that folks are like, appreciate yep. it. And they were like, thank you so much for telling me that. And it's yeah. like, if more teachers just asked, I get that teachers are yeah. so, so busy. I like now. that we match again today. Yeah. That's we were matching like shirts. Like me. I like to match. I dressed first. You that's why. Me. And we both have our green glasses on. Yeah. Again, first, You'll you copied cute. me. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> All right, John Lopez. Cute? Uh, thank you. John Lopez is asking, do I see some Run DMC dolls behind you? Do. Uh, they're, they're behind you. So, man, I in my history of hip-hop class, I teach a lot about Run DMC. And I loved Run, Run DMC when I was a kid. And I was in the store, and they had little Run DMC like action figures. And so I purchased them. The they also one. have Beastie Boy ones that I want. That I have they not. Did? Yeah, they have. Uh, they're always. That at, wasn't in the store, though. No, they're online? on Super Seven. So if you go to Super mm -hmm. Seven on Instagram, they have great stuff. Um, yeah, I, but they have Beastie Boys from the Sabotage video, and they look freaking awesome. That's a good one. They have a lot of good hip. -hop. They have all kinds of weird stuff. They have like, um, the mat, like the guy from Slayer. They have like even weird stuff, like Black Flags and Black Flag and like. Um, dead Kennedys and all kinds of like old can school punk bands and stuff. You can get action figures made of yourself. You can? Yeah. I found it online. That'd be hilarious. Yeah. I would love it. <laughs> of course you would. Nassim uh, is up next asking, will you visit New York City for a road trip as a family vacay? I'd love to meet up with y'all. Uh, y'all are incredible. If we weren't going the exact opposite way, Nassim, uh, that would be a possibility. Missed but it. We've been in New York a lot. We visited. We have been to New York a lot. Um, and but I'll tell you what, first of all, New York City is so unbelievably expensive anymore that it like is it's difficult. Um, and the last time we went, um, especially with Broad's autism, like the loudness, like yeah, Philly neither, is neither is one of our doable. kids actually really like New York. It's so aggressively loud and like there's a lot of like sudden loud noises. Yeah. It bothers both of our kids. But, so we but even in Philly often. last year, like Mm -hmm. Um, when we went to the Christmas thing up at city hall, yeah. like Mar had a hard time with the crowds and the noise and it's, there's so much going on. So it's tricky, but so, so that now, now we don't we're see that. The opposite. We're like, there's not that many people out in yeah. the desert. <laughs> yeah. Uh, fun fact about New York is we were there when the lights went out. Oh, that just came up. We were looking at pictures yeah. the other day, mm -hmm. right around the September 11th, first anniversary in New York city. When the power went out, we were there and we slept in the middle of Times Square. And we were stuck. It was awesome. It was really fun. Well, kind of. It was a little It scary. was terrifying at first because yeah. <laughs> everyone thought that there was another terrorist attack. But then when they realized there was not, um, the whole city, it was, it was just fun. It was just fun. Like, yeah. 
everyone had a great time and it was it was wonderful. All right. Uh, next question. I am 22 and I just started teaching math. My students are in their last year of school and are about 17 year old, 17 years old. How do I stop them from undermining me and pushing me more than other teachers? So. Hmm. This is a great question. I think one people treat us the way we teach them to treat us. This doesn't mean I'm putting this on you, right? Just, you know, like this doesn't mean like I'm, this is like a, this is your fault. Uh, but it's going to take some getting used to. I find the best way to do this. So when I first started, uh, so I was in Camden, New Jersey for five years. Then I moved to West Philadelphia and I was feeling pretty good about like my ability to connect with students. I'd made some really wonderful connections and then I get to West Philly and I thought that would transfer over, but it didn't. And I had a class that was to this day, like the worst class I ever, the kids that are in there now, like now they're all grownups. And I've told them when they see, they're like, you remember our classrooms? I'm like, yeah, you guys were in literally the worst class I've ever taught. You were horrible. And I'm so glad that you're like, you know, responsible human beings now. Uh, I love telling Doug that who is now a cop in Philly. And I'm like, mm. Just remember that when you're dealing with teenagers that you were like one of the worst kids I read in my classroom. And he's like, stop Reynolds. And I'm like, no, no, it's true. So the thing that I, that helped me to get around that was one, it was chunking time. So like one, I'm making everything relatable, right? When you're a senior in high school, you don't want to do this anymore, right? You've already done this a million times. You're trying to feel yourself out, see what you can get away with, see what you can do. Right. And then unfortunately, here's this uh, here's this new teacher that is someone that I feel like I can push with. <clears throat> you can't let kids take your kindness for weakness. So what that's going to look like is if you say something is the, is the rule, it's the rule. So what that looks like is, um, all right, y'all, here's what we're doing. We're doing math. We're going to do these. I, I don't teach math, so I'm just going to just go with me for this for a second. Um, here is your beginning of the class, like brief activity, right? Bell ringer, pre-class, whatever you want to call it. It is these five problems. You have 10 minutes to get started. If you're late without a valid pass, that cuts into your time to get that done. So at the end of that five minutes, I'm just collecting papers, right? And if I don't have them in a certain amount of time, I'm not even taking it. So if you were talking, if you were off task, if you weren't doing what I asked you to do, my job is to help you be successful, not let you drag your feet and be lazy all day. So I want you to, I want you to win, but I am, I am doing you a disservice if I let you just screw around. So I collect those papers. If you're late to my class and you come in after we did the pre-class and you do not have a valid pass, meaning from a teacher that is signed, that's a teacher that I know didn't just write a pass for you because they wanted to be nice or something like that. It is then you do not get it. But let's move on to the next thing. So it's holding kids accountable, right? I don't care if you like me when you're 17, because I'll tell you what, because 32 year old you is thanking me right now for doing this. And and you as a, as a young teacher might have a little bit of struggle with that, but it's like, I'm telling you that, and here's why, not just because you're young, because you haven't seen the fruits of this yet that any kid you hold accountable, that you push in a with love, not being mean, not just being trying to be some kind of badass because you're a badass. When you push kids with love, 
they will always come back and say, man, Reynolds, like I've had it happen so many times where they thank you. Thank you so much for doing that. Or like, I didn't realize what you were doing then. Or like, they will come back and speak to your students, your current students and go, y'all better listen to Reynolds because he's, he's, he's doing you right by, by pushing you in the way that he's pushing you. And so that's, that's one thing. The other thing is really trying to build relationships with students. They might discount you because of your age, but they don't think they're so close to you, right? Like it, like 22 is like kind of old to them at this point. Uh, Cause you're basically a grown up, which means you're probably boring now. So, and, and whatever, whatever they think is whatever they think, but it is trying to build those relationships, find out what they're interested in, find out how you can connect that to your content, find out what's going on at home, find out what they love, what they hate. And when you build those relationships, it's a lot harder to act up for someone when you know that they've got your best interest in mind, when you know that they've got your back, when you know that they act, they're asking these questions not to be nosy, but because they actually care and it's then going to inform their practice. It's starting to build this muscle. Now, here's the last thing that I'm going to say um, is that this doesn't get easy right away. But think about it, that. And that's not an answer anyone wants, but it's the truth. Anything you just start out at takes practice. Have grace for yourself. This is teaching is, is a thing, something, a craft that gets better over time it is not anything that any one of us is good right away. And if someone plays like they were, they're lying to your face. They were not that good when they started. They had to build this over time. So have grace for yourself, care for yourself, meet those kids. Because I'm going to tell you what, the behaviors that we see now are the behaviors that we're going to see later. Next year, the kid that's acting up in your class is going to show up again. But they're going to have a different name and a different face. But the same behavior is going to be there. So as you continue to work on that craft and get better at, at addressing that behavior, that issue, that need, those kids are going to show up again and you'll know how to deal with them the next time. All right. Our next comment is coming from Facebook. I don't know if you all know that you can watch this on Facebook too. Not you can watch on this on Twitch or Twitter or Facebook oh, yeah. or YouTube or LinkedIn. Does anybody watch this on Twitch? People on Twitch are watching <laughs> gaming, but Brody told me I should put it on Twitch, so I put it on Twitch. All right. Um, all right. Our next question is from Laura. It's asking, uh, we have a new seasoned educator in our building who has come in like a bull in a china shop. I'm surprised that she has been so bold. How do I deal with someone who has come in and thrown a few of our good educators who have been there forever under the bus already with their comments? Uh There is a lot that could be happening here. Um, if they are good at what they do, maybe you find a way to build a bridge. I typically, Laura, stay away from people like this. Uh, I don't want the drama. I, I tell people all the time, here's something I don't talk about, right? That I was taught that has gotten me in a lot of trouble, but I don't care. My wife and I, in our early 20s, learned about this process called closing the loop. And it's something we used to do in our church because churches can be the most hotbedded place of drama and nonsense. Especially ever. if you're in like sir, like the leadership part of it, yeah. which we were. Yeah. So someone comes to you and says, I don't like the way this person's doing something. I don't like the way that they act. They aggravate me, blah, blah, blah. Telling me could be if this is like a, I just need to let it all out and like I'm going to deal with it but I need to, I need a moment to like release fine I can get down with that 
if you're just telling me, but you're not addressing the issue, I tell folks, I understand where you're coming from. What, so what are you going to do about this? And if they go nothing, I just like, I just can't stand it. And I hate them every day. Like it just aggravates me when I see them. I tell folks that you have to tell them now, because if you don't tell them, I'm going to tell them because I don't do drama. And so I'm going to close the loop. I'm not telling them to get you in trouble. I'm telling them because I want you to have the uncomfortable conversation because the, what you want is on the other side of an uncomfortable conversation. And that, and that's everything. That's one, a marriage that lasts a long time, learn how to have uncomfortable conversations. Want to raise at your job, have an un uncomfortable conversation. Want to have a student that you want to address something with and win with, a parent that you there's some animosity with that you want to win with, have an uncomfortable conversation. And so it is, I tell folks that like, I just so you know, I really am drama free. So I really want you to work this out. So tell if you need to tell someone, you might want to consider telling someone else because I am going to push you to have the uncomfortable conversation with somebody. And that just helps. It doesn't, it, it, folks don't like that because they think it's going to detract. They think it betrays people's trust. That's why I tell you on the front end, right? You get a free pass. But after this, I'm going to go talk to them because I want us, I, we need to be a unified front. The kids come and go, right? At my high school, you only have four years, sometimes five, a couple kids, six. But then it's the teachers that are there over and over and over again. We need to be family. We need to have one another's backs. We need to get along. Otherwise, this doesn't work. And if I feel like someone is just super into drama or something like that, I just stay away from them because that's going to, that's, that's all going to come crumbling down on them eventually anyway. And if there's someone that they're dogging, then, and I hear about it anyway, because I just am in the same vicinity. I'm making copies. Someone's talking to the copier next to me or something like that. Um, I check in with those folks. I just want to make sure you're doing all right. Like I'm hearing stuff or this is going on. That's not getting in the drama. It's taking care of your people and loving them. Um, and, and so that that's it too. Cause what you don't want to do is have good people leaving because someone else is showing up and being a, some kind of bully. Uh, I don't play that stuff because, because when here, and here's the bottom line, Laura, when we unify, it's better for kids. It's not just better for us. It's not just better for me. It's not just better for the teachers that I care about. It's better for the students. And if education is only ever about students, for us, we might have a hard time going and having an uncomfortable conversation. But if we really care about kids, then having that conversation only betters the kids and only makes a better work environment. And so that's that's my thoughts on that for a bit. All right, Chaco's up next asking, uh, my classes range from grade eight all the way up to grade 12. Ooh, accounting. Uh, it's hard to connect with grade eights and then immediately after having to connect with a more mature level with the grade 12. Any tips? So I would, I would, I've taught, the closest I've been to that is like in ninth grade and then up to seniors. Um, I would go full tilt on the eighth grade, get in my eighth grade mode and wild, crazy, fast paced, like we're doing the work where it's. All right, here we are. With 12th grade, I feel like those kids can handle a break. All right, listen, y'all. You know how it is. I just uh, I just taught the 8th graders, and I need a moment. Can we just – does anyone else need a moment today? Like, all right, so then it becomes a five-minute break so that you can readjust your mind, so you can readjust your classroom, so you can get stuff together. 
And I think students that are older appreciate that. They know that you're you're almost like asking, you're almost asking them for a favor, but you're giving them a gift. And I think that when we get, what we're doing also in that is we're seeing them as adults. And that's what kids, like, that's what seniors want to be seen as. They want to be seen as adults, but are often not treated like adults, right? Especially in a lot of classes. So it's asking them for that gift of five minutes to get situated, to get squared away, and then jumping into class. Um, the other thing you could do there, if you don't want to give them that kind of just free time, if that maybe leads to a little bit of madness, is, all right, listen, y'all, I have, uh, I just came from the eighth grade class. I need like adult time. So we all, I want to have this conversation with you and that's how we're going to start class. So starting class, talking about something that could be about accounting. It could be about something else. Um, but it's, it's just having a real conversation with students about something that you are just jamming with them for a couple minutes, lets you change modes, lets you put kids on a pedestal and have them talk about something that's interesting to them, have them feel like an adult, have them feel like you and, and see that you really care. But that's how I'd kind of like change that vibe up. But you're not going to be able to do that, is my guess, with eighth graders. You can't just let them chill. You can't just let them have five minutes. Um, you got to be like on point with them. And but with the 12th graders, I think that's worth an experiment to see if that's going to help with those kids. And I'll help you. No, eighth graders are. Are the animals laying together? They are. There? They actually were laying up. The cat was laying in front of the dog, just separated by the curtain because the dog's behind the curtain. Sorry, everyone. Adorable animal moment. Uh, you can put it on Instagram because I took a picture and sent it to it Marley looks... while I was sitting here because it's so cute. <laughs> uh, okay, Jess is up next. Asking, uh, struggling with one student who makes noise, gets up, hands-on, interrupting. He needs mental health care. He's been referred. What can I do in the classroom to get through lessons so students can learn? So one, Jess, these are students that you have to keep asking when we're going to get help. Because when we have 30 kids in the class or even 25 kids or 20 kids in the class, and you have one kid that clearly needs a one-to-one, -one, like they need somebody that is with them, that's helping them to find success. When we're doing anything but that, all we're doing is dis is a disservice to that child and to the rest of the class. So it's continuously asking for help. It's continually documenting, not to get anyone in trouble, to get them the services that they need to be successful in school. And so it's constantly asking that. I think it's worth finding someone that gets along with that child and we have to like, and I think I talked about this in a lesson in a video lately, but it's like creating a pain plan for that kid. So if that kid is acting up, what are we supposed to do? What is the, that kid knows what we're going to do. We know what we're going to do. What is that plan? And let's make sure that it's actually realistic. Um, so that's one thing. Another is check-ins with kids. Is there someone on staff or maybe you could, when the kid comes in, yo, Aaron, come talk to me real quick. How are we feeling today? All right, listen, you know, these are the rules. This is the procedure. This is what we're doing in class today. So if you need to get up, if you need to move around, this is the plan that we have in place for that. I've often given kids, like I put tape on the floor, uh, like painter's tape, because it comes right off. And so your school can't get mad about it, um, that a kid can stay in this designated section. So if they need to move around, you have this like five foot area to move around in. Um, so you don't have to sit still. You have a stand up desk. You have like... I keep all of your supplies in class so that you don't have to like take them 
with you and then you don't have them and then it's what's going on here it's it's maybe partnering that child with someone else that like sits with them and you want to be careful with that because we don't want to take kids that are like uh i think what happens a lot of times is we take a kid that is well behaved or neurotypical and their punishment is that now i have to sit next to this student like this is my job now it's finding a friend that's going to do that it's finding someone that wants to do that and not just like oh go sit next to them they're quiet all the time because then that kid's like yeah like now you're just hindering my ability to learn also um or finding someone in like what is your there's the what's the IEP say what's the 504 say um it is raining it, we have the windows open right now it's raining hard so I'm hoping that everyone can hear this but it's uh it's hot in here so the other thing is um is what are we yeah. so there's that there's that meeting but then there's the other meeting of the getting the teachers around that have that child in their class and saying, what are we going to really do for this kid? It's the, we used to call it the meeting after the meeting, which is where the hardcore folks show up and we figure out, all right, listen, this works in my class. It works in my class when I seat them here, when I give them the work like this, when I, um, when I repeat directions like this, when I let them participate and be the one who's writing on the board or they are, doing a task for me. So you're, you're sharing ideas that's going to, that are going to help this kid in the meantime until they get the services that they need. That's a hard one. Let me just acknowledge that. That's such a difficult thing to deal with. When you see that a child is being underserved and you feel like your hands are tied, it can, it can be very, very difficult. Um, but remember this, that is really, oh, now the cat's going to lose she's gonna start meowing um that it's it's so hard for the kid too even if they just look like they're being like a like a stink in class no every kid wants to be successful every kid wants to be loved every kid wants positive attention and that it's really difficult for kids too um it's just something worth remembering sorry if you hear the cat she hates rain she hates rain she just meows a ton <laughs> all right well i gotta do real life real quick hey mar go upstairs make sure the windows are shut please oh yeah thank you um okay john is up next asking i gotta do real life <laughs> we interrupt this regular scheduled program for real life. Real go ahead life. all right asking uh kids trust me and overshare a lot how they made this teacher's life miserable through rocks at cars got drunk and um bitch other kids is that probably bitch slap? Oh, oh or yell at them. I don't know. I don't know how to make that stop. So, can I advice for that one? Gosh. Yeah, I do. Um, kids will overshare with you. They sometimes either think you're a friend or a buddy, or they really want someone to confide in, right? Um, and they think that this is going the reason they're telling you this, John, is that they think this is going to impress you or that you're going to like it or you're going to laugh at it. And it can be hard when kids do this. Because we love the positive. We love that they're coming to us. They love that we're talking to the, us about anything. It makes us feel like, man, I'm really doing the work. And kids love me. What if they don't love me? I would, I would make the argument that kids, anyone in your life, I want you to think about this, John, that can really call you on your stuff and be there on the other side of that is a better friend than people that just placate you. And so telling students like, oh, oh, I don't, 
wait, you did what? Like, first of all, get your life together. You're not being a good friend. You're not being a good human being. You're not being a good citizen or a good neighbor by doing that. You're, did you forget how you're like, you're an incredible person. I love all of these attributes about you. Why would you taint that with that behavior? Like, because you have the power to do really awesome stuff. You have the power to find someone at lunch that doesn't have anyone to sit with and say, yo, why don't you come over here and sit with us? Like, or that see someone that doesn't have lunch and split your sandwich with them to see someone getting picked on at school. And if you're so tough, why don't you and your crew roll up and like stop that situation from happening, right? In a safe way. Don't get yourself in front of a gun or something like that. But like, it's, you have this power, but you're using it for the wrong thing. Like, and I find that kids having that mirror held up because they, they clearly trust you. They care about what you think and they're looking for affirmation, but we have to tell kids what's going to get our affirmation. And, and so holding that mirror up can sometimes, it's going to be part of the reason that stops that. And then showing them what are some things that they can do, which is why when I eat, you know, with, uh, with kids and some of them are knuckleheads like that. Right. And saying like, yo, Paul, come here, this kid over here, these new, um, his name's Sam. You don't have to be friends with him. I don't mind even asking you to go sit with him or talk to him or become his best friend or anything. If you see him in the hallway today, can you say what's up? He's having a hard time getting along with people and just having someone of your stature who's like a cool dude like you or an older guy like you or, you know, a celebrity in school like you to just say what's up. Yo, what's up, Sam? Can you do that for me? Like at least once today? Got you, Reynolds. I got you. And then kids, you're starting to walk them, look for those opportunities you're kind of giving them the guided notes of what it means to be, a, what it looks like to be a good person and then having them do that, right? Like, all right, listen, y'all, I'll get like all these like knuckleheads together. And I'll be like, listen, uh, it's Miss Cho's birthday on Friday. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to have the whole floor in her office covered in balloons. Can y'all come in with me on Thursday? I'm going to buy donuts. We're going to eat lunch together. We're going to fill up balloons. And then at the end of the day, we're going to go put them all over the floor. Got you, Reynolds. Oh, this is hilarious. So you're showing them what like, what like, you're using that same kind of knucklehead, little bit of pain in the ass because Cho doesn't really like attention and she certainly doesn't like balloons. Um, kind of you're still using that same energy, but for good instead of for something that is not so good. Um, that's how I kind of handle that stuff. It's never damning kids either. It's always just kind of like it's holding the mirror up. It's giving them, it's showing them like, like what you're doing is dumb. Let's figure out how to take that same energy and do it and do something beautiful with it. But so how do you do that? If like, if, if he wants it to stop with him, like he doesn't want them to share that information with him. Like, is there a way that you get it's, kids? Like, do you get kids that are like, I feel like it's, it's a lot of posturing, right? We've oh, talked about facts. this before, Yes. but like, do kids share like things like if they're doing drugs or if they're doing like it's, and it's to make themselves to inflate themselves. Yeah. But do you tell them like, Hey, I don't want to hear about that stuff. What you do outside, like no, a, you don't I, say that because it's an honor. I appreciate the fact that you told me. What I'm going to tell you is I don't like the thing you're doing. Yeah. So I don't want you to stop telling me and keep doing the behavior. I want mm -hmm. you to stop doing the behavior and keep telling okay. me stuff. And so it's it's so your flipping goal that, is right. To just so when a kid and I, I mean everything from kids that have like been inappropriate towards women that come in and think they're going to yeah. tell you this story about how I like used someone, and I'm like what? Yeah. Nope. Um, that is inappropriate. It's unacceptable. And I would never do that. 
I want you to think about your mom. I want you to think about your sister. I want you to think about using that same power to love someone or be, or not even love someone, but like be loving towards someone, be kind towards someone, lift someone else up. Like, so when you come in and, and I've had kids share all kinds of stuff like that, but it's like, it's you as a young person want to use that power. I need to show you how to use it for good and make that attractive, make it fun, make that cool. And that's what I'm doing with kids. Okay. All right. Uh, Nicholas is up asking, will you be teaching in New Mexico? I will not be teaching in New Mexico. That's a great question. Um, my, I can feel it in my We've talked about this soul, a lot, right? right? So just. <laughs> so Nick, in my soul, I feel that this is the work I'm given to do now. That in my classroom, I can serve 120 kids a year um, doing this. I can serve more teachers, which ultimately serves more students. Um, and I will say that there, I was just out with friends last night. Someone was asking me this, an old friend of mine that we went out to dinner with before we go to New Mexico. And she was like, do you miss it? And I said, I miss interacting with kids, but this work is no less stressful. It's stressful in a different way. Um, it's just as hard in a different way because I'm starting over again, ultimately. Um, but man, do I have a deep seated sense that this is the work that is given for me to do now? Yep. So, and I don't argue with that stuff. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next question. I have too many students in a small space. What can I do to lower the noise? <laughs> this is hard. I once had, if you ever seen uh, the hand on a stick over here. Um, that's literally how deep my classroom was. That's why I made that. It was made to reach the back of the classroom because they gave me such a tiny, tiny classroom with no light switch. So the <laughs> light would go off based on whether or not someone was moving in the classroom next door. Um, so keeping it down is one, it's, it's, I'll tell you what, part of this is going and talking to your school. You know, we got too many, like y'all got to stop giving me so many kids in this tiny ass little classroom. Like this doesn't work. Um, it's not good for the kids. I can't move around. I can't do stations. I can't do group work. Um, it's too loud in there. That's part of it. The other thing that I use is a cue where I want to make sure that I'm talking at a certain level. And if you can't hear me right now, that's because we're being too loud. So like in this class, I realize that we're loud. I realize that we're kids, but right now I need it to stay this volume because I can't, it's getting out of pocket or out of hand. Um, sometimes I play music. If you can't hear the music too anymore, it's too loud. Uh, I've had teachers that this is one, of, this is a great move, but this gets a little tricky because of music, but, um, letting kids. So I would play songs in class. I totally stole this from a guy, uh, that I taught with me, Mr. Major, Mr. Major would play jams in his classroom that the kids liked. And it was always stuff that was clean, always stuff that was appropriate for class. You play stuff that kids liked while they were working. But if they got too loud, he would just stop the song. He would just pause it. And that was a cue. It wasn't not bashing kids. You're not even not. You're not, So sometimes what he would do is turn the music down. So the song keeps running. And if you want to hear the rest of the song, you got to get quiet. People are being too loud. They do the same thing when we watch movies. When we watch movies, um, I had this little thing, this little flap of paper that would fall over the projector lens. I used a string. And... Um, it would cover the thing. So the movie would keep going. You just couldn't see what was happening until we got quiet. The kids would quiet themselves down and then I would pull the piece of string. I would pull the flap up and then everyone could see the movie again. Um, 
or you can do the same thing with a pause button. Just hit the pause button on the film until everyone's quiet enough. And if we can't get through this in the class, then y'all just missed it. And it was awesome. And you, you're going to love the end of this, but it doesn't happen. Um, it's just doing stuff like that that really helps kids to to chill. I think also lowering your lights, having chill music in the back, like creating a vibe in your classroom helps to create the larger vibe of like, yo, we don't like it here. We got to keep it cool. We got too many people in this little ass space. So like, let's just keep it chill. I don't curse that much in class. I don't know why I'm doing it right now, but like, it's, <laughs> it's like reminding kids how chill to be. All right. Uh, Jack, Jack attack <laughs> is nice. up next asking hi Reynolds. I'm currently a sophomore in university majoring in education nice. tomorrow. I'm going into a high school classroom for the first time. What should I be looking out for and observing as I help? So great question. I would say Jack that, uh, I would do a couple things. One, not just what you should be looking for, but what we should be doing is connecting with young people, right? Start exercising that muscle of talking to kids, getting to know them, getting to know their names, where they're from, what they like, what they dislike, and just building that camaraderie, right? The other thing is, what are things that you, who would you like to be as a, who's doing stuff that you would like to do as a teacher, right? And writing no, those notes down, actually taking notes, whether it's like on your phone or on your computer or handwritten, because you're not going to remember them. You think you're going to remember them, but you won't. Writing down things that you would do or writing down things that you would never do. And that could either be like, I would never yell at a kid, scream at a kid or lose my cool like that in class. But how would you do it differently? So should that, I saw this thing happen today. I saw this teacher react. I would never do that. Or I would never teach like that. Or I'd never make it so boring. But what would you do instead? So we're not just damning people because look, Sometimes things, Jack, are you are going to do stuff that's different just based on your personality, right? Like I'm, I try to use humor in my classroom because that's what I do. Uh, but not everyone does that. So like I, I sing directions sometimes, right? This is ridiculous. And I don't suggest everyone do this because if it's not in your personality, then it just comes off even more awkward. I own it, right? So I'm going to be singing stuff in class and making up dumb songs about people and like, um, that's just what I do. And I actually have never made a video about that because it would require me to sing on the internet and I don't want to do that, but, uh, it is who I am. So I might look at what someone else is doing and not just through an eye that's critical through an eye that's adaptive and, and thinking about how might I do this differently if I did it, um, what would fit my personality. And those are, those are notes that I'm trying to do. I used to have, I had a professor that, you know, kind of not necessarily pre-internet, but pre like Pinterest or, or Evernote or something like that had us make a binder that was called your idea binder. And whenever you saw good ideas or you got a cool handout or someone shared an idea, if you liked it, you would put it in your idea binder so that you constantly had this ever evolving sort of like, like educational Bible that you would use that you would, it was your go-to resource for how to, how to teach and how to roll this stuff out. All right. We're going to do a couple more. Do it. Um, I am starving. I just want you to know That's because that. you didn't eat any lunch. I didn't eat any lunch. I had a protein. I bar. asked you. You did. Um, all right. Our next question is coming Thank from you. Jacob. He's asking, my question is that I have a co-teacher for the first time. Any tips on making the most out of a co-teacher? Uh, uh, I just want to say he posted another comment. And I just want to say congratulations. They had a recent addition to their family with a baby. Oh, we got to update that, that uh, profile picture then. Son's yes. going to feel some type <laughs> of way. 
that your daughter only gets to be in there. Um, fantastic, man. Congratulations. So I think that getting to know them, knowing what their strengths are and knowing what they add to the class is the best move for that. Um, I've had co-teachers that uh, just sucked. Like, and I don't, I don't know there was any hope for them. They were horrible. And other teachers that you had to find what they were good at and then finding ways to co-teach class. So for me, it was like figuring out who's doing what. Like, so maybe you teach the first five minutes of class. I teach the next 10 minutes of class. Um, you doing the vocab review. I'm doing the journal. You're doing the close reading. Um, while we're doing groups, you're kind of giving directions. While you're giving directions, what is my role? I'm going around and touching base with students, making sure that they understand, making sure kids are on, on task, making sure kids are paying attention. Um, what are our, our jobs during class? Because the idea of co-teaching, and people need to be reminded of this, is that the students aren't supposed to know who the lead teacher is. So how are we dividing up these tasks so that we are both doing it, um, so that we both have ownership? Uh, that's how I, that's, those are the, the best people I've ever co-taught with, which out of the seven, eight, nine people I've had, like there have been three great ones. And that's how we we're great together is because we sort of like found a way to partner, right? Um, it's like being, how do we want to, you can't be the Jackson five. Everyone knew it was Michael Jackson and his brothers, right? Like don't be the Jackson five, even though they were great. And maybe that's not a great example. Uh, or you don't want to be wham where everyone doesn't even know who that other guy's name was. Um, you want to be like the Bee Gees where it's like, we are, or like we're complimenting or the Beatles were complimenting each other so seamlessly that there is no leader to this band. Great answer. You really, really I appreciate that you mm -hmm. cared for my answer that I used wham as an example. Well, it's not really wham. That doesn't really resonate with me, but I like the, the idea of like being, I like when there's two and they just work so seamlessly together. Yeah. I think that's perfect, but that's hard to achieve. You better go on to another question before I start singing a Wham song because there's oh about three gosh. of them coming to mind right now. No, don't do that. Uh, One more. Someone said, or the next question, cool. sharper, sharper. I don't know how to say that. Sorry. <laughs> I'm saying uh, I'm looking to make the jump from high school to college. I know about the education. I'm currently in grad school. Any tips or ideas that you have heard from friends? So, um. I think that it's like, hmm. to me, what I'm trying to think of like folks that I've seen not do well in the college space. And that has largely been, and this coming from their students and coming from them, that they tried to teach it like a high school class, right? There wasn't enough autonomy. There was too much like rah, rah stuff that like the older students wanted to be treated like adults. They wanted the autonomy. They wanted the freedom. They wanted the space. And so that was interesting. It's also having far more like heavy, deep and real conversations around stuff, going deep with things. Um, that's when I talked to students, that was what it was about and getting super relevant. So, um, 
I, I think that that when I think about, I know that's not a whole lot to go on, but I think it's like these little shifts that we're not treating because you can, I, you know, this one woman I know uh, taught <clears throat> on the college level, but during the day she taught uh, seventh grade, I think, and brought that seventh grade energy, seventh grade level. She was a great teacher too. Like her class was awesome, but her college kids felt like it was a little bit like kiddish. Like they it bothered them because they were like, no, like, you know, we made it this far. We want to be treated yeah, like yeah. adults. And so, yeah, that would be my advice. All right. Let's answer another one because this yeah. is this is pretty easy. Uh, Robin's asking, I'm going to paint a black border with regular paint so that I can use chalk on it. What finish should I use? Uh, that's a great question. Um, I feel like I would use eggshell, uh, like you suggested. There you go. Flat doesn't erase at all. It's really kind of messy. Um, most eggshell, now there are some flat paints that will allow you to clean them, but most flat paints, like even in your house, they don't clean well. Eggshell does. And without being too shiny. Yeah. yeah. And it's, I would say this, uh, my first, my first time I do it, I would use a high, higher quality paint. Like I would use bear or, um, or Sherman Williams or something like that. But subsequent layers, I would just use something cheap like Glidden or whatever the bottom of the barrel is because over time you erase it. It's what's that? I said, you just threw Glidden under the bus. Well, because Glidden takes nine <laughs> layers to get it on the wall. Right. So it's like, you, it takes forever to get Yeah, Once you have get, a solid base. Yeah, I get what but bear, you can do, <laughs> even if it says one coat, it's never one coat. It's doing two coats. But then once that's there, you can erase it and stuff, but over time it's going to start to look crappy. You can just go over it with a with a low end. Um, no, but I would just go over it with a low end, like fresh coat of paint. Oh. End of the school day, it's dry by the next day, and then you're ready to rock and roll. Again. But crispy is the best. Is literally like cleaning your board with like a wet paper towel, a wet rag. I use sponge. I would use a microfiber uh, over everything. Yeah, like a soft cloth is, yeah. is the best, but you can get away with a paper towel. I know because we have a chalkboard and I use it. Uh, I use a paper towel on ours. You just did that thing with your head. <laughs> um, and wetting your chalk. Wet your chalk before you yeah, write. Oh, just that a little bit. Like, like get a cup of water, touch it, it in, in there. Oh, man. Makes Ooh, it nice. Crispy. All right. Uh, do you want to answer this next one, which I'll do I feel one more. bad yeah. leaving? Uh, okay, thank you. <laughs> okay. Oliver is asking, hi, Bo. Thanks for all you do. Two-part question here. How do you deal with the stress of the job? And how do you juggle when it's too much and time to quit? Um first year literature teacher, sixth and seventh grade in an all boys private school in Columbia, South America. Can't really talk to the wife about it. It's too much for her. And I'm in a bit of a bottle of wine and night cycle at the yeah, moment. Yeah, been there. It's expensive habit. Uh, so Oliver, I would say, to be honest with you, um, it's, it's a couple of things here, but they all have to do with you. It is and look, this is, I am a, I am a work all the time and neglect myself person by nature. I have to take time for myself. I have to do things. And every time I do it, I realize that it doesn't take that much time and how much better I feel going into school, feeling great and having a lesson plan. That's not so great is way better than having a lesson plan. That's great. And going into school, feeling not so great. You could have the best song in the world, but if you perform it half-assed, then it stinks. You could have a song that's three chords and is a punk rock song and you feel amazing. 
whoo, man, that thing's going to cook and you're going to feel great about it. And the audience is going to know it. Caring for yourself. Self-care is not just a buzzword. Finding out things that don't. So drinking a bottle of wine at night can make you, it numbs you. It makes you feel, it's not a bad feeling, right? I, I know it. I've been there, but it doesn't replenish you, right? It doesn't fill you back up. Right. And if you look at the science of it, all it's doing is like it gives you poor sleep. You got to get up in the middle of the night and pee all the time because you freaking drank so much alcohol. Right. Like there are negative uh, health effects that you're going to have too. finding things that. And I'm not even saying if you can't, I'm not even saying don't just stop drinking. Right. I'm saying that you need to be that's not enough. You need to fill yourself back up and then ultimately you're going to get rid of poor habits and just keep adding on good habits. Um so what are those things that do that fill you up, that make you feel great, that remind you that you're a human and not just a teacher that's struggling? The other thing is I'm going to say, and this is not just a plug for me, finding a mentor that you're going to be able to trust in, that you're going to be able to connect with, that's going to be able to give you real answers in real time and help you through this is the answer. In my life, whether it be in business, in spirituality, in therapy, it is me growing me and finding the fastest way to do that, right? So if I'm using myself in as an example, we have over 600 videos on YouTube that will solve conceivably every single situation. If you put those in the play, you can solve any problem in your classroom. But we sell workshops because it condenses it. And I want to give people this much information in this much time. So it's a concerted, it's like a laser beam of information. Doing mentoring, coaching takes it to the next level because now you're getting that much information in this much time, but it is specifically tailored to your needs, right? So I know exactly what's going on. I can help you with exactly what's going on and it helps you grow. Becoming a great teacher means that we have to grow as human beings. It's that we are not ready to do that work yet because here's the thing. By and large, if someone's finding success in your school, you can find success in your school, right? It's not, it's not that they're just doing it. They're just, they're not necessarily even doing more. They're just doing it differently. And it's, we have to find out what that means for us. So really pouring into yourself, really loving on yourself. And then um, what is, what is a way, an act, an active way that you're going to love on yourself is finding the help and support that you need. Maybe that's therapy. Maybe that's a coach. Maybe that's a mentor. Um, but it's finding something like that. And look, for anyone that's interested in that, we do, I do mentoring calls. We run them. They're an hour a piece. You can sign up for all different levels. You can go right to our website, right on realrapwithreynolds.com and sign up for that. Um, and they are sometimes things that schools will pay for. Telling your school that you need a mentor um, schools will foot the bill because they want you to stay. They want you to be successful. Um, but even if not, it's there for you. Um, and we're, we are, we do have a number of workshops coming, moving is shifting those dates a little bit, but those are something we're going to start coming out with, I think every two weeks, uh, and making them at a price that is for teachers. So you should hear about one of those, hopefully, hopefully within this week, I will have that done. <laughs> I'm hoping, but also a bit of encouragement. I would say you're, you say you're a first year teacher, like, man, first year teaching is hard. The is. biggest thing that I've gotten to see through sitting in this seat on this side of what we do and, and on the side of you and getting to hear what you do, because we talk a lot about it. It's hard. It's taxing. It's exhausting. You really, really like cut yourself some 
some slack. Like it's just hard. And teaching is, it, it requires a lot out of the person, which is why it requires so much of the, of the teacher themselves to grow, to be able to shoulder all that comes with teaching because it is such a heavy yep. job and it can be really fun if you're capable of holding and shouldering all of that it comes with. Yeah. But I say, but learn, but, but, but cut, give yourself love. Like yes. it's just, it takes time to get there. You're not going to be awesome immediately. I almost cut you off. I apologize. That's for that. okay. It is <laughs> knowing that when you do get better, it transfers into all stages of yes. your life. And it just makes it just makes life better because you're you are rising up to the person. The question becomes, who do I need to be to do this work? And even if it seems not worth it, I'm telling you, it's worth it, it across the board. Not just like, in teaching; yes. it'll translate to every area. You will have of life. better friendships, better marriages, better better relationships with your children, better relationships with your neighbors, because you, teaching is going to make you become a person that is more patient. That thinks on the fly, that is more creative, that um, is tenacious and has grit, it will make all aspects of your life better if you can get better at that. And so, yeah. Hang in there. Yeah, absolutely. So look, with that, um, if there's anything else that anyone needs, realwrapwithreynolds at gmail.com is the spot to go. And if you're not already liking that video, please just hit the thumbs up thing. Just go on there. It doesn't do anything bad for your for your algorithm. It just helps this get to more people. So if everyone on there did it right now, I'd have 74 likes on this already. Um, it's and I don't make any money off of that. It just lets more it people know about get it. get to more educators. And that's the goal. That's, that's all, all we want to do. We just want to help people. The yeah. show is free. Um, and so that's it. But we love all of you guys, really. And I'm so thankful that you're here. So thankful for the work that you're doing for kids. I hope that you have an awesome week. And that's it. Anything else, wife? No, that's it. Cool. See you next week. Peace. Damn it, it didn't do it. <laughs> Peace.